You're listening to the Saluki Gamescast for Monday, April 25th, 2022. My name is Justin Young, and joining me as always are Ryan Friels and OJ Duncan. And setting in this week, we have Jody Salazar. Hey, Jody, how are you? Doing pretty good. Happy to be here. All right. How's everybody's week been? Anything exciting going on? It's almost finals week. We're dying. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I concur. I've been saying I've been doing fine the last few weeks, but uh, I'm going to quote somebody who's not here right now and will be next week, but it's that point in the semester. (laughs) It's finally catching up with you? Oh, God, yes. I worked ahead all semester. LJ, we talked about this. We both work ahead, and somehow we're behind. (laughs) Yeah. Although I, I will say I'm doing really, really good, I think, for myself, so I'm... I'm, I'm feeling comfortable where I'm at. I also tell myself that that's I'm behind when I'm ahead. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. <laughs> that's good to hear. Like, I mean, that sounds calming and relaxing mm-hmm. if, like, you feel like you're ahead at this point in the semester. Uh, I mean, I, I actually feel pretty good where I am as far as grading at this mm-hmm. point in the semester. Uh, but that's going to change in, like, a few days because yeah. I have several projects for two different classes coming in. And so that will be my weekend. It'll be very, very exciting, I assure you. <laughs> Broken pots of coffee all over the place. <laughs> what, am I just smashing pots of coffee yes. out of, like, fury? <laughs> I don't know. I just imagine That's just what I was imagining. Carnage. Just angry smashing pots of coffee. <laughs> sure. Hulk smash. <laughs> just Insert sound slides. effect here. <laughs> All right, well, let's just jump into the news because we actually have quite a bit of news going on this week. Um, So we'll start here at the top. Uh, Rockstar has uh, released the new sort of next-gen versions, which are, I guess, actually current-gen at this point, but the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series S and X versions of Grand Theft Auto V. And in doing so, they removed what was deemed some transphobic content Um, This included some uh, dialogue and some characters who were referred to within the game as drag queens outside of one of the strip clubs, but were um, maybe, I'm not entirely sure on this, I guess maybe interpreted as being uh, trans characters. Um, This was after some people on Twitter like spoke up and, and petitioned Rockstar to make these changes, and Rockstar did. Um, you know, this is Rockstar has traditionally been a, a pretty, um, pretty reticent of making any sort of, uh, censoring changes to their games. So this seems like a, a pretty, uh, big deal for them to make these changes. Yeah, I, I appreciate this. That said, I do hope they also have like maybe some like extra content, like maybe a little like short, like documentary piece or something on like what the bad representation that they did had and how they tried to work and change that. Cause I do want better. I do want better representation. I want the removal of transphobic content, but I also don't want like history sanitized. Um, so Larry can remember, Hey, this was a problem and this is what we're doing to work on it. That's always the dilemma in history of being somebody getting their master's in history. It's just that fine line of how do you teach it without being offensive and making sure you get all the good stuff out there. Um, and um, I'll illustrate the bad, too. 
Yeah, and like just removing it all is kind of lazy. You can replace it with good trans representation. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we can we can also frame good trans representation within GTA 5 too because there's not really good representation of anybody. Um, but non-offensive representation, even if they're not necessarily the best people like everyone else in GTA 5. Like don't make their transness the punchline or right. their, ooh, their, their problematic aspect. Like mm -hmm. they're trans, but it, that's not right. a part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the problem that people were having here. It wasn't the fact that there were trans characters depicted within Grand Theft Auto or that they were maybe... Um, morally compromised in some way as characters because, as as OJ points out, everyone within the Grand Theft Auto world is morally compromised in some yeah. way. It's the fact that them existing, being depicted within the game, seemed to be the punchline, right? Right. Um, not the fact that they were in any way real characters. You know, Rockstar's done very good. They had the Ballad of Gay Tony, um, which was the... DLC for Grand Theft Auto 4. Um, a lot of people actually praised that downloadable content, that it was very sort of progressive in its representation of homosexual characters. So, um, you know, I, I think this is maybe them trying to do the right thing, and maybe this was the, you know, um, the simpler or, or quicker solution in this particular case. Um, but maybe hopefully going forward, they'll do better. Um, last week, we, it was sort of late breaking news that they had found um, a Game Boy Advance emulator um, in the Switch code. And what I did not talk about at that time, because it, what I had read at that time did not make it clear is that it also is an emulator for Game Boy and Game Boy Color games. So, um, you know, the news seems to be that we will be getting eventually a Game Boy Advance emulator for the Switch, but also Game Boy and Game Boy Color emulators as well, which I guess that would be one emulator since that's basically one system. Um, and one of the big questions has been, you know, when this rolls out into Nintendo Switch Online, how is it going to roll out? Is this going to be at the uh, base tier or is this going to be the expansion pack tier? Uh, the fact that there are the Game Boy and Game Boy Color as well as the Game Boy Advance makes it seem like they could very easily do the Game Boy at the base tier and then do the Advance for the more expensive tier. Um and I don't know if that changes anybody's reaction to the news, uh, viewing it from that perspective. I'm still very, very excited for it. Um, like, I never had a GBA, um, so I'm I'm really excited to, to get more into those games. And then I really like the Switch, um, so I'm really looking forward to playing the Game Boy and Game Boy Color games on there, too, especially on a bigger screen to see how well they translate. Um, so I'm, I already have the expansion online thing so i'll it doesn't change anything for me honestly but i'm just very excited to see it yeah agreed i'm more excited to play the games i missed i mean i i did have a game boy advance but i'm like more excited to play the ones i missed than the ones that you know i already played because honestly looking back at it the game boy advance games i ended up choosing weren't the best and i'm kind of like <laughs> looking back now it's like i wish i played this one i wish i played this one i think the best advanced game i ever played was pokemon ruby which that's a solid game but i'd like to try some other stuff 
And I've been waiting to um, invest in the Switch. I told myself a couple years ago when I bought a PS4 for a class um, where we were designing some stuff, I told myself, like, this is it. You're not getting any games on it. You're getting it for this specific game, this specific project. And it has, um, you know, devolved from there as it does with us video game people. Um, And so the Switch has been like that thing that I'm like, I'm going to get one. I'm going to get one, like, let's just see what's out there and, you know, just kind of waiting it out. And, um, but the more I hear about like old games coming in and, you know, just excited for that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they are getting to the point where that, um, that classic library is actually a selling point. Like when they first launched it and it was just NES games, I don't feel like that was probably enough of a selling point for a lot of people. But when you get to a point where, it's, you know, NES through N64, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, Genesis. They're really making, uh, you know, a value argument, I think, at this point. Um, you know, and that seems, I also think that's just the smarter way to s- sell those old games. Instead of selling them individually, make it a subscription like Netflix or something like that. Because um, you're going to be much more likely to play the wide variety of games, like you were talking about, Ryan. Not just the necessarily like big tentpole Nintendo titles, but some of the weirder kind of offshoot games as part of that. Um, Skate Four. Do we have any skateboarding game fans here? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, they released some pre-alpha footage, or I should say, it leaked out. Um, it looked pretty interesting. Um, and I think one of the things that's kind of interesting about this footage is just showing people what a pre-alpha game looks like. Um, so there's like no texture mapping. There's no real environmental direct decorations. Um, you know, it's very simple geometry of showing the player on the skateboard and their movements and everything and some basic environmental design. Um, but, you know, it looks really good. It looks really smooth. Skate 3 was a very smooth, very well-animated game. Um, I've never been as big a fan of the skate games as I am the Tony Hawk games. But, you know, this, this still looks impressive. And it's nice to see they're actually, looks like they're kind of going back and building from the ground up for this new one. Instead of just, hey, we're going to reuse Skate 3 and, you know, update the graphics. So that's kind of impressive. Um, so we we have to check in with the Kardashians because they have so much to do with video games. I feel like I was in class today talking about the Kardashians, and it's really weird. Maybe because I was making this uh, this news out yesterday, and so maybe they were on the top of my mind because I don't usually ever talk about the Kardashians. But anyways, Kim Kardashian apparently threatened to sue Roblox over a sex tape ad within the game. So apparently in one of the episodes of the TV show, her son shows her uh, his Roblox game and says, Mom, there's an ad here with you, and it's for a sex tape ad. So she claims it's an ad within the game, um, some of the reading I, I read about this, because I'm not as familiar with Roblox, said this was probably not an actual advertisement, but it was more uh, the different sort of experiences, little mini games that people create within it that you can download. And one of those had a picture of her and, um, and was talking something about a sex tape as part of it. 
Um, Roblox has uh, pulled the experience from their uh, from Roblox from the uh, Roblox client and has banned the creator from it. Um, so there's a lesson there, you know, don't have anything to do with the Kardashians, I guess. <laughs> and if you're just tuning in, this is what it looks like to keep up with the Kardashians, apparently. <laughs> this right. is some surreal news. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Kardashians don't usually get brought up in video games. They do have a, a mobile game, at least one mobile game I'm aware of, um, you know, just just one of those weird intersections, I think, of video games with popular culture there. Um, Sonic, for our Sonic fans, I feel like we're talking about this simply because Alicia's not here, so she doesn't get to enjoy talking about Sonic. Um, this, we should just saved all the Sonic news this week and went over it, and she would have missed it all. Um, I'll do my best. <laughs> um so they have announced a new Sonic game called Sonic Origins. This is going to be uh, a compilation of Sonic games coming out June 23rd for everything imaginable. PlayStation 4, 5, Xbox One, S and X, PC and Switch. It's going to include Sonic 1, 2, 3 and Knuckles as well as Sonic CD. Um, and the big thing about this is that they're doing entirely new animated cutscenes that tie the different games together into, I guess, a somewhat coherent narrative, as coherent as Sonic can be. Um, and they're also adding widescreen support to these games. So all these games came out during the 16-bit era. They're 4 by 3 originally, um, you know, the more square orientation. And they are extending these so they will fill up your 16 by 9 screens. Um, I don't know. Does this interest any of you for a new approach to the classic Sonic games or have you, have you played enough of those classic games that this isn't really a sales point? So what you're saying is we're getting a Sonic origin story. Well, I I mean the classic Sonic games with a story that sort of ties them together. So I'm a sucker for an origin story. Hmm. So, and you know, I liked Sonic back in the day. So that was one of the first, um, probably Sega games that I played that and Bandicoot, right? Those were the two biggies that, that launched, I think. I think Bandicoot was Sony. Was it? Yeah. They yeah. were all about the same time playing them all. So I was trying to remember like, where did crash fit into that? Yeah. So I've never actually played the Sonic games. Uh, I mean, I played them briefly, but I've never really played through them. So I'll probably pick it up. I think they're doing what they need to, to get me to finally try to go a little more all- more in on the Sonic games because I, I've tried the originals. I was really bad at them. Um, not, that's not an insult to the games themselves. I just, I'm bad at side-scrolling platformers. But with this, with what they did with Sonic Mania um, and getting actual like fa- former fans of Sonic and making them official members of the team and getting them involved, I I think I got to try it because I appreciate and respect what they're doing. Um, and I I do think they're, like, I do love the aesthetic of those games too, so... Yeah, he's just a like a flying fury of blue, you know, beautifulness. Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, I think it's really cool that they're going back and adding the sixteen by nine widescreen support. You know, to me, more than the animation, that's the sales point. If mm. you're playing these games today, 
Um, you know, if that makes them feel more like the sort of Super Mario All-Stars, like we're going to slightly update these, but keeping the basic same gameplay and everything. Um, but, you know, like, I guess what I would say is the Sonic games are really hard to go back to. They're not, I don't think, as easy to go back to as the Mario games are today. Right. Um, I, I don't think they hold up as well. Um and I think it sort of exposes maybe the Sonic games were never that good to begin with. And I know that infuriates Sonic fans <laughs> to say that. But, you know, I, I just don't think... But if any of the Sonic games hold up, it is these original four games. And I got to say, you've been killing the nostalgia for me, Justin, this semester. <laughs> it's, it's been a whole lot of like, wow, this isn't as great as I remembered it was. Huh. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I, I think some games hold up well, some games don't. I mean, it's like going back and watching movies, right? The movies that you grew up with and you go back and watch them. I remember having students swearing to me up and down that Space Jam was a great movie. And I said, <laughs> hey, have you watched Space Jam lately? Like, since you turned 18, have you gone back and tried to watch Space Jam? And I'm like, it really doesn't hold up very well. <laughs> like. Yeah, I've done the same with music. It's, uh, you know, we, most of us here um, are Gen X, so we have had that conversation recently about um, just looking back and going, huh. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, that said, I, I do like the 16-9, like, formatting you just pointed out. That, that feels like fitting to Sonic, having that big stretch of area to move through. Sure. And... I do like that they're doing stuff like the fact that you can play as Sonic Knuckles or Tails, um, and ho hopefully this is the thing that kind of keeps it alive and makes it st uh, stand up well again, because I, I struggled with the previous Sonic entries, and maybe, you know, I, I think that's reflective of me as a player on them, but I'd like a version I could play well. I think it may be a reflection of you having good taste in games. <laughs> Schmack. You know, Sonic Mania is a pretty good game. Um, Shade and, you know, again, it, it harkens. I think it's a good game because it harkens back to these classic games. And I think right. these really are the best Sonic ever has been. Um, it feels like a lot of Sonic hate in here. <laughs> well, I think I think we're used to you know um, dishing out a little extra for Alicia when she's here. <laughs> so this Alicia, is gonna Alicia I've got you. This is going to give her something fun to listen to. Well, yeah. she's off updating controllers in the room. <laughs> He's cute and blue and furry, and he moves fast. I don't see a bad there. No, I mean as you know, as a character, they've done a very good job of marketing Sonic. And he is very, um, at least it, we did talk about this a couple of weeks ago. His original version, the short chubby Sonic, is very cute and likable. And, um, you know, new cool hip Sonic is a little kind of awkward, I think. But <laughs> I prefer early Sonic, too. Yeah. Um, so he's not furry. He's spiky. He looks furry. Though. He can have both. <laughs> but he will hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dinosaurs had feathers, so you know it's it's all you know. Okay, perception. now I'm imagining like a Sonic AMV with Johnny Cash's hurt in the background. <laughs> Please let's make that. And it's just people repeatedly reaching over and touching Sonic <laughs> and then pulling their hands back. Yeah, and then like close up to Sonic Sonic's face, his tears start coming out. Like, what have I become? <laughs> yes, we're making this. <laughs> 
nobody can ever touch Sonic. Except for Waluigi. <laughs> wow, Luigi. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, meta <laughs> quest. How do we leave segue. that? Yeah, there's, there's no easy segue for there. So we'll just jump right ahead. Um, meta quest, which, you know, is really Oculus quest, but Facebook's stupid renaming. Um, had a showcase for some of their VR games. They actually showed off quite a bit as part of this, but a few things that I thought stood out. One of those was Among Us in VR, um, which I thought looked really quite good. It, it literally just looks like Among Us, like uh, exactly how you would imagine it, but in you know VR and mm-hmm. uh, sort of a first-person perspective. And uh, I think that looked pretty neat. Um, they showed off a uh, Moss Book 2, which had already come out on the PlayStation VR, but this was showing it coming to the MetaQuest. Uh, Cities VR, which is the SimCity-style city builder game coming, uh, a version of that. And then the one that was the bigger surprise was a Ghostbusters VR game. And this is separate from the uh, asynchronous four-on-one Ghostbusters game that I think we talked about. Uh, as part of this podcast a few weeks ago, that one has you as four ghosts uh, or four players, and one player plays as the ghost running around. Um, this one seems like a more traditional, like you are the Ghostbuster trapping different ghosts and everything, but it's all done in VR. Um, I don't know if any of those appealed to you. Uh, Jody, I know you're a pretty big VR fan. Yeah, a couple of years ago, actually right before the pandemic hit, I was in a VR course um, here at SIU with uh, Pinkney Benedict. And a lot of what we were doing was creating. So um, that was in the original Oculus Quest, I think, just when Facebook was getting all linked up in it and, you know, all up in their business and stuff. And um, and so a lot of what we were doing was trying to figure out how to world create and narrative build and some of, some of that stuff. And it was still pretty primitive then. So I found a lot of um, my time I spent in there was like, I went to Africa and looked at, at a tiger that came right up to my face with a lot of the 360 stuff. So um, I'm really curious to see what some of the more um, gaming directing directed stuff is uh, looking like these days, because that's been, you know, about two, two and a half years ago now. So yeah, this seems like an interesting expansion for Among Us. You know, mm-hmm. there was uh, a time during the pandemic where Among Us was the biggest game in the mm-hmm. world, it felt like. Yeah. It felt like everyone was playing it. Mm-hmm. So this seems like a very logical extension for that brand to move mm-hmm. it into VR. Um, you know, it still has the sort of, um, you know, that that look, that sort of cartoonish animated mm-hmm. look and everything to it. Um, and you know, I feel like that's also just, there's, um, there's just an, an interest, right. And in taking a 2d game and being able to explore that as a 3d world. Mm-hmm. So I think there's just a novelty factor there as well. Yeah. I, I also just think like, this sounds like a really good game for VR. Cause I'm not that big of a Among Us fan actually, but the idea of doing it in VR, um, I just like that idea, and it just, you know, makes me think a little more of John Carpenter's The Thing and stuff, and, yeah, I, I, I dig it. Yeah, that, that snow level. I mean, they said that John Carpenter's... There's actually a really good documentary, uh, No Clip Video, who does video game documentaries, just in the last week released an Among Us documentary, and 
they cited John Carpenter's The Thing as the inspiration or one of the inspirations for the original game. Right. And, you know, I always thought, like, the snow level where you're kind of going in and out of buildings, I, I don't know the name of it within Among Us, but, like, that level is obviously <laughs> taken from The Thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's obviously heavily inspired, so... Um, Let's see. Last week we talked about some movie news. So we were talking about Jason Momoa starring in a... Uh, what? Oh, yeah. You, obviously, you did not listen to last week's episode. <laughs> uh, Jason Momoa is going to star in a Minecraft movie. Um, and so we have more movie news this week. Amazon is making an It Takes Two movie. So this is based on the co-op only game that came out um, last year. Guess it was, um, and they're making that into a movie to be produced by The Rock. And um, no word yet if The Rock is going to star in it, but it seems like the sort of movie he would star in. <laughs> um, if you're not unfamiliar with it, takes two. It's about a husband and wife who are fighting, and I guess on the verge of getting a divorce, and they get shrunk down to like, you know, honey, I shrunk the kid size and they have to like um, find their way back to the house and make themselves big again. And so um, it's, it's actually a pretty good game. It can only be played in co-op and you're playing one person plays the husband, one person plays the wife um, and they're going to try to turn it into a movie. Yeah, when I got the list of what we were discussing today, I did a quick little um, Google search for some of this stuff, and It Takes Two came up, and the first thing was just lots of Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, so I was trying to (laughs) (laughs) orient myself to, okay, it looks like there's a computer, some, like, animated characters, okay, like, is this somehow connected to Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, or is it completely different than them, and how does The Rock play into that? So there was a whole lot of catch-up going on there. Does The Rock play Mary-Kate or Ashley? <laughs> but later, there's going to be announcements like, guys, there's some confusion. This this isn't about the video game. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I would like to see that movie of The Rock playing Mary-Kate and Ashley, like, grown up. Like, this is the, like, reboot of It Takes Two, their film, hmm. but The Rock is going to play both roles. No, Vin Diesel plays the other Rock. <laughs> there we go. I, I don't think the two of them are on speaking terms. I don't know if that can actually <laughs> it, work. It'll add to the tension. Yeah, it's just like all the chemistry is going to be there on screen of how much these two hate each other. <laughs> As they portray Mary-Kate and Ashley. Or actually, they could just do the It Takes Two movie. They could they could just change it. It's a gay couple. It is The Rock. It is Vin Diesel. They are married. They already have the animosity built in there for the story of them getting a divorce. And the entire movie is just ratcheted up the action a bit. And, you know, I feel like that works <laughs> like remarkably well. Um, the producers of the Sonic movie are making a Streets of Rage movie, which is coming from the creator of John Wick. Hmm. Um, Streets of Rage, for those who don't know, was a fighting game series from, well a side-scrolling beat-em-up fighting game. Um, so think like Final Fight or the Ninja Turtles games um, that was very popular on the Genesis um, in the 16-bit era. This is, this to me is, is kind of weird. Um, 
not because I don't like Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage are really good games, but there's not really a story to Streets of Rage. You know, it's, hey, somebody's been kidnapped. You have to get from one side of the city to the other and rescue them. I think somebody's been kidnapped. That was usually the plot of all those games. A scantily clad woman, probably? Probably, uh, though not Mayor Hagar's daughter, like in Final Fight, um, which was fantastic. Uh, But anyways, you know, there's not much of a story. So to me, the only way to really do this would be sort of like the 70s film, The Warriors. And I don't know how familiar you are with that movie, but that movie has no real plot. It is, we have to get from one side of the city to the other, (laughs) and we're going to fight through these different gangs as we go. And that's basically the plot of Streets of Rage, and I don't know how they make this any more of a movie than that. You know who actually strikes me as a good director? I mean, obviously it's not who's directing it, but George Miller, but I think I'm saying his name right, right? Right, the like, Mad Max director. Yeah, I think like after Mad Max Fury Road, I feel like he could pull that off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's a movie that has no real plot to it. Yeah. Like, I mean, that is almost entirely style, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, George Miller, like the most diverse director that you'll ever see makes Mad Max Fury Road and Babe. Um, That's who they're saving. (laughs) Picture it with the rock though. That could be the tagline, like save your bacon. (laughs) (laughs) It shows him like jumping out of the top of, off the top of a skyscraper that's exploding while (laughs) like the little baby pig. Now it's die hard. (laughs) I do not think our creative minds should gather quite often. (laughs) Um, Amy, Amy Hennig, uh, the director of the early Uncharted games is working on a new Star Wars action adventure game for Skydance. Um, Skydance is, I, I think the company that is, um, tied in with, um, uh, James Cameron. Um, she had been making a game for Electronic Arts. It was very publicly canceled during the middle of development. She has now moved over to Skydance. I, I would assume this is not the same game. I assume she could not take that work with her and everything that belongs to Electronic Arts. But she is starting over and making a new action-adventure Star Wars game. I am very excited about this. I, I, I love Amy Hennig's games. Um, I, I think she's a great game developer, and the fact that she's getting to work in a property like Star Wars to me is very, very exciting because I think she can do something really cool with that. And we haven't had a really story-driven Star Wars game, um, you know, quite that much lately. Yeah. So, um, All right. So every week we have an Activision Blizzard story because Activision Blizzard is apparently the worst company in the world. <laughs> yep. I feel like it needs that, like, beep, 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 beep. Yeah. And now from Activision Blizzard news. We, we definitely need to get them their own theme song. <laughs> so this is the Activision Blizzard terrible news of the week. This one is bizarre and brings in other companies, particularly Meta, who we were talking about just briefly earlier, Meta being the Facebook parent company. Uh, Sheryl Sandberg, who is the CEO, Chief Operating Officer of Meta. Um, she is also author of the New York Times bestseller, Lean In, which was a very big um, sort of women in the workplace uh, book about how women need to like um, – 
not not lean back in in the workplace, but they need to lean in. They need to be more uh, proactive in the workplace and everything. Um, so Cheryl Sandberg has a very good reputation or has, but it has been revealed that she leaned on the Daily Mail, which is a British newspaper, to drop two stories about her then-boyfriend, Bobby Kodak, CEO of um, Activision Blizzard, whose ex had obtained a restraining order on him. So apparently twice the Daily Mail was going to report on this and talk about that Bobby Kodak's ex had taken out a restraining order on him, and twice Sheryl Sandberg went and leaned on them and said, no, no, please do not run this. So before people, you know, the knee-jerk reaction might be, well, what's the big deal? Of course, if somebody's going to report a bad story on you, you might say, please don't do this, or if they're reporting on your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it might be. Um, Sheryl Sandberg is the CEO of the biggest social media network in the world. The implication might be to a newspaper, you do this or we take some sort of reactionary uh, action against you. Um, and, and that, I think, is the big concern with this, is that she might have used her position at Facebook to intimidate the Daily Mail and keep them from running this story. Wow. And this has been spilling the tea on Activision. Yeah. Well, that, that teapot already been turned directly over. <laughs> like, I'm finding that, yes. Justin uh, keeps throwing broken pots of tea on them. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of breaking pots, this is Activision has been smashing pots of tea left and right. Like, Oops, I there's think, another one. I think I have their theme song, too. It just goes... I guess as a follow-up to this, I should note that it came out today that... Between 2021 and 2022, the monthly active users of Activision products has dropped 60 million. Hmm. So this is the active monthly users across all their properties. So this would be, um, you know, the Blizzard titles, your World of Warcraft and Overwatch, but also the Call of Duty games. Uh, apparently, Activision has pointed specifically to the Call of Duty games as being responsible for a big chunk of this declining users. Uh, but I think it speaks more to problems at Activision more <laughs> widely. Uh, Nintendo, a contract employee working for them, so not working directly for Nintendo, but working for a contractor that works for Nintendo, claims that they brought up uh, the possibility of a union during a meeting and was fired in response to it. Um, Nintendo says, in Nintendo's defense, Nintendo says we had nothing to do with this. This was handled by the contractor. We are not part of this decision. Um, but it, it you know, gets back to what we have talked about through several episodes about the push to try to unionize within the game industry and um, how that has often met with very negative consequences or pushback from these big companies. Um, some good news if you like the Lego games. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga um, has sold 3.2 million copies in its first two weeks of release. 
that's uh that's pretty good for a, a Lego game or any game really to sell 3.2 million copies um, mm. in this first two weeks. So, um, you know, I would think that we might get more Lego Star Wars games. <laughs> One of my fellow um, history GAs came to me just absolutely just you know excited like beyond belief because like they'd just gotten the game and like you know all nine and like all of this stuff and you know being a sucker for star wars myself and um you know legos a little bit i like definitely can tell where the excitement comes from um the klonoa remakes klonoa fantasy reverie series is to launch july 8th there's not a whole lot to that story we just finally got a release date for that I highly recommend the Klonoa games to people who like platformers. Those were criminally overlooked games when they were originally released. Um, Ubisoft is on the market, apparently. Um, The story goes that at least two private equity firms are interested in buying Ubisoft. Um, Ubisoft, of course, being the uh, makers of the Assassin's Creed franchise and several other franchises. Um, I find this pretty interesting only because I think it echoes very much the Activision Blizzard news that we've seen over the past uh, six or so months, which is that Ubisoft also has had accusations of harassment and an unfriendly workplace. Uh, Ubisoft has also progressively kind of moved their way down to let's have two or three games that we're focusing on each year. And it's going to be the same two or three games. So every year it's going to be a new ghost recon game. It's going to be a new far cry game. It's going to be a new Assassin's Creed game. And there's just diminishing returns year over year. And they're finding themselves in the same position. I think that Activision Blizzard did where they said, Hey, we're going to focus on, you know, in their case, really making one game a year. We're going to make a new Call of Duty every year, and maybe Blizzard will put out a game. Um, and this just seems to be blowing up in the face of all these companies, um, you know, trying to focus on a, a few really big games instead of making a, more of a variety of games. I would be, I'm fine with that as long as the games are good, but if they're just focusing on one series and just putting out games just to put them out every year, then like they might as well go under be taken by somebody else. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's just, do we need a, an, do we need a new Assassin's Creed every year? Uh, Particularly these last, what? (laughs) Ever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think particularly these last few have been like 80 hours plus to complete. If you want to do everything in the games. And I'm just wondering are there people playing 80 hours of Assassin's Creed every single year? Mm-hmm. Like I get playing that in one particular game, right? Mm-hmm. But I just don't have the time to, to devote to that every single year for every new Assassin's Creed game. And I don't feel like there's a lot of people who do. And those games are so similar other than changing maybe the location and one mechanic. Like do people really want to play the same game year in and year out? And I mean, Fortnite says yes, but (laughs) beyond that, I don't know if that, if most people do. Um, so one last piece of news, they did release the NPD figures for March. Uh, NPD is, um, 
the what is it? It's the um, it's the I forget what it stands for. It, they don't even use use it as an acronym. I don't think at this point, but um, it's basically the cells. Uh, particularly, they track a lot of different things, but they track video game cells each month. And you have to pay quite a bit of money. I think into the thousands of dollars to have access to this data, but they do. Um, they do allow uh, game journalists to put out like the top 20 games each month. And I wanted to just kind of read through this real quick because I think it's pretty interesting what the top 20 games, we're actually just look at the top 12 for uh, March of this year. Number one was Elden Ring. Number two was Gran Turismo 7. That was Gran Turismo's first month. So it came in second. Number three was Kirby and the Forgotten Land in its first month of release. Number four was MLB The Show 22, also in its first month. Then uh, Horizon 2 Forbidden West, Pokemon Legends Arceus at sixth place. And seventh place was the new release of WWE 2K22. In eighth place was Mario Kart 8. Mario Kart 8, which was originally (laughs) a Wii U game, is still the number one or number eight best selling game. Mm hmm. Years after its original release, after it sold over 40 million copies, it is still the number eight best-selling game this past month. Then Call of Duty Vanguard. And so, OJ, this is where we get to your Strangers of Paradise. The number 10 best-selling game was Strangers of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Number 11 was Tiny Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. And number 12 was Ghostwire Tokyo. So the reason I did the top 12... Those last three games, all new releases this last month, all three finished behind Mario Kart 8. <laughs> right. Well, Mario Kart 8 is good, and Stranger of Paradise is really, really not good. Uh, and so I think uh, the reason it's so high on that list at 10 is because of the Final Fantasy name alone. Yeah, I mean, that definitely is what you know the fans mm-hmm. that brought to it and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what what's just amazing is how well Mario Kart continues to mm-hmm. dominate, mm-hmm. and you know, and how badly those three games did. Mm-hmm. Like, if in your first month you can't outsell a game that's at this point, what the Switch has been out six years now, and then you're going back at least two or three years into the lifespan of the uh, of the Wii U, mm-hmm. so a game that's eight to 10 years old and you can't outsell it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that's how everybody feels about grand theft auto five when it continues to mm-hmm. sell like crazy, but um, it does not seem to bode well for those particular games or those franchises in my opinion. Um, all right. That does it for news. So let's move on to what you've been playing and OJ, let's start with you this week. What have you been playing? Okay. So I haven't really been playing that much. I, uh, Play a little bit of Stranger of Paradise Chaos Mode, but um, uh, mostly I've I've had some video game adjacent things. So I went and saw the Sonic Two movie, uh, so I can talk about it because Alicia's not here. Uh, <laughs> but I thought it was pretty good. Uh, we will not give her that joy of somebody else talking to her about it. Right. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was good. I'm glad I went and saw it in theaters. Um, it was really good. Um, I think we were talking last week about Jim Carrey saying he wasn't going to come back, but he's 
there's definitely room for him to come back, and he probably will come back for this role. Um, and then I have been doing research into Final Fantasy for a project for, for your class. Uh, surprise, no spoilers, but <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about Final Fantasy. And uh, so I'm just going through the games and like trying to relive the, the stories a little bit because some of them I haven't played for a long time. Then I came upon, most recently, Final Fantasy XII, and I don't remember playing that game at all. I know I've had to have played it. I, I'm 100% sure that I played it, but as I'm reading it, I don't remember the story. I don't remember the characters, except for, like, I remember that I knew them when I was playing, like, Dissidia, but I just, I don't remember it. Uh, and I, I know that some people really love the Final Fantasy XII storyline. I just, it, I don't remember it. I feel like I'm going to have to, like, go, like, replay it, and it'll be like playing the first time. It's so weird because every other game, I vividly remember playing the game. I remember the characters. I'm remembering all these scenes. And Final Fantasy XII, I'm like, I, I, I don't remember any of it at all. That that seems weird. I mean, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy XII also seems like one of the games that stands out more than some of the other Final mm-hmm. Fantasies because it was such a, a different take at mm-hmm. the time. Um, any So do you not remember any of it? Or is it like the details... That you're not like any of it, like the the main characters. As I was reading up on them, I didn't recognize some of the names, and I was like, "Did is there was there like a big remake that I missed, and they changed the names or something?" But no, I I just I have no idea what what the block is in my brain for that. For those listening at home, which Final Fantasy is twelve? It he doesn't remember. So <laughs> I, from reading up He's on it, he's completely blocked it. Because there's a whole conversion chart, right, that we learned in class. Yeah, uh, it is twelve still. So it's still twelve. It's, okay, it's, good to know. It's like up there, close to a hundred in Final Fantasy titles, but you gotcha. know, in the main series line, it is twelve. It was and, PlayStation Two, right? Um, Originally, I think so. I think yeah. it was PlayStation Two. Um. And then it, there's a, a princess who's trying to, like, get her throne back because uh, one of the neighboring countries took over or, like, came in, like, took over. And so she's trying to get a crystal. And then they... Sounds like Final Fantasy. Yeah. And what? then they go to um, try and get the crystal. And then there's somebody who's making fake crystals. So they go to the source of the crystals. And then they end up destroying it and... Again, I don't remember a whole lot. This is just me reciting what I read earlier um, from it. And then there's a there's a big like sky fortress that gets powered by the crystals, and then they destroy that. Final Fantasy twelve is set in the same world as Final Fantasy Tactics, right? I think so. And then they did some. It's Iva list, right? Yeah. They I was going to say, I hope there's a list. <laughs> they did some spinoff games yeah. in addition that took mm-hmm. place in that world. Because, yeah. like, for a while, they were like, we're going to build out this world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which right. is not something they had done really about with the Final Fantasy games before. Each mm-hmm. one sort of took place in a new entire mm-hmm. world. Right. Um, that's my big remembrance of it. And I remember mm-hmm. the battle system being kind of weird because mm-hmm. um, you don't directly control your your party you mm-hmm. like kind of set like oh do these sorts of actions yeah. and see i didn't remember that starting until uh 13 like i i i just have no, I have no which idea is actually is. number 13 yes yeah oh. so we're at the right number now <laughs> okay right. after at once we hit seven we're, we're on the good numbers 
So, but yeah, it's consistent <laughs> after seven, right? Yeah, but uh, so are you sure you actually played twelve? Because the more I you mean, talk about, the less it sounds like you actually ever played okay, this game. See, this is what I'm saying. I know that I had played it. I have to have played it. I'm such a big Final Fantasy Final Fantasy fan that like I had to have played it. So a fugue state brought on by something that I, we don't know. I guess, or I mean, I guess there's a chance that I didn't play it, but I had to have played it. Like. I don't know. Maybe. I love the fact that you have these false memories. <laughs> <laughs> or or you bought a copy from a strange man in a back alley somewhere, and then creepy pasta stuff happened, and I now guess. you don't remember any of it. I guess. I got replaced by Van, I yeah, guess. It's or, or something. Yeah, I like the idea that aliens abducted you and implanted these memories so you don't remember <laughs> the missing time of your life. And you're like, no, no, I have clear memories of what was going on in that 60 hours that I, I was missing. See, no, I'm thinking Mandela effect because, and this is the thinking, uh-huh. because this timeline is already so screwy, uh-huh. somewhere along the way that Final Fantasy didn't exist for you. Mm-hmm. It existed for the rest of the world, mm-hmm. but it did not actually, you know, in the real world. That's true. Have you encountered the Berenstain Bears within <laughs> this game? So I had a I had a little bit of a crisis with Baron Berenstain Bears. A crisis core? Uh, you beat no, me to it. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I'm very familiar with the Mandela effect, but I don't remember any Final Fantasy twelve game at all. So I I mean I I I may not have played it, but it's just so weird to me that I so like, you are I alternative sh- timeline OJ is what you're saying. I guess I I, I have a goatee under this beard, but <laughs> and like I I remember every other game so clearly, and then this one I just I I don't. I think and, this should be your entire presentation. I mean, just abandon all the rest of it <laughs> and just really write write and talk about that. Like if I had time, I would go through and play it, but I I don't have sixty hours before Wednesday. Um, what? So, so I'm, I'm just in my presentation. I think literally you don't have 60 right. hours before so, Wednesday. So I, I may just very quickly blip past Final Fantasy XII uh, in my presentation. I hope you don't mind. I, I, don't, I don't think you could say that to the person you're turning it into. No, I mean, I, I think... It's already clear. I I certainly don't assume that anybody doing a presentation would have played to completion every Final Fantasy game. I have not played to completion every Final Fantasy game. Um, You know, I certainly haven't played Strangers of Paradise and, you know, really don't want to at this point or or sort of do. I I don't know where I am on that. Audience, just so you're aware, OJ just... Uh, pressure Justin on air to forget about the blip that he <laughs> Final Fantasy. Maybe that is it. Did was that during the blip in uh, the Marvel universe? <laughs> like, were you not here for the five years that game was released? That may be true. That may. I'm telling you. I think. I think so. Ladies hey. and gentlemen, and anyone else in our audience, <laughs> this is not the true OJ. Just so you know, this is alternative timeline OJ. Everybody, we're going to have a poll. Will Justin be okay with OJ not talking about 12? Yes or no? You decide. I feel like the only way this concludes is me in a room with two OJs and me trying to figure out which is the real one. By And we've found our way back to The Rock again in that whole scenario. Quizzing him on like plot details of Final Fantasy and like getting, speed to, dating. getting to 12, and that's the one where he slips up. You'll oh, find you, out. you foiled my plan. The other OJ has only played 12 and has never played any other Final Fantasy game ever. And his, his entire life is based around it. 
But OJ, so. in all these realities, aren't you blessed to be in the reality where you do remember playing Strangers of Paradise? Of course. Uh, so <laughs> maybe what happened is that during that that time period, I've just been going through over and over and fighting the Lufarians, and that's why I don't remember it because they took my memory. My memory's in the Dark Crystals, and so so now I. I, but I ended the cycle and I became chaos. See, I'm just thinking of like Supergirl. I don't know if we've got any Supergirl fans here, but like Brainiac, there's just like all these different versions of mm-hmm. Brainiac, like coexisting mm-hmm. in, the t- in the TV series. So that's what I'm I'm picturing. Mm-hmm. Just you know, here's the OJ that you know mm-hmm. is this one, and here's the OJ that's that one, and you know, apparently there's one that has no memory of Final Fantasy XII. Right. And I think I'm just chaos is what I've what I've come down to. There are shards of OJ scattered about. (laughs) Some of them have memories of specific Final Fantasy games and some not. OJ has become chaos mode. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty wild. (laughs) It can only be reassembled in the Fortress of Solitude. See, I I don't think uh, Final Fantasy XII is one I have not played, certainly to completion. I think I've played a little bit. Well, then you're good, Joe (laughs) J. So So I I shouldn't have mentioned it. I I mean, I can't tell you anything really about the plot of that game other than what you just said, like the the log line of, you know, here's a kingdom attacking and everything, because that's the plot of just about every Final Fantasy game. Oh, yeah, they repeat quite a bit. Yeah, so... Um, all right, OJ. So beyond the games that you have forgotten that you played, <laughs> have you have you actually played anything? Um, uh, just a little bit of uh, Strangers of Paradise, which I did play the Final Fantasy twelve level in there, and you I remember, remember playing it? it in Strangers of Paradise. I'm but so confused right now. <laughs> so okay, so real quickly, this is like Inception at the Strangers, point. <laughs> Strangers okay. of Paradise is the origin story for Final Fantasy One. Oh, I and, like a good origin story. And so the the there's a, a technological race that is in Final Fantasy One, and we find out that they like can, a race is in like a group of people or like a running race, like a, a group of people. Okay, so. And they're the Luf. I'm saying this wrong. The Lufarian, Lufarian, Lufarians, uh, something like that. Well, you can look it up on Google. <laughs> anyway, so that this this race has taken people, and they keep on having time reset over and over and over again to do something so that chaos doesn't appear. Yeah, we should know that this is potentially spoilers. Oh yeah, sorry, I also love spoilers. a good loop episode, yeah. like you know Star Trek: it's Next not a good Generation. One, it's not good. All one. that. Yeah, it's not a good one. Oh. So, <laughs> so uh, eventually, as you're going through these different levels, they're talking about them being in different, um, like, like universes, essentially. And so, all these levels are taken from other Final Fantasy mainline games, right? So we have like. Um, coming from like universe one is from final fantasy one universe two is from final fantasy two, et cetera. And so then we, we go through all the way and it, it ends up being that the main character is actually the chaos, the, the like end boss in final fantasy one, but he broke a loop because the Lufarians kept on putting him over and over and over again. So this is sort of like the Stephen King universe where by the like seventh dark tower, he is, you know, now a character and there's just multiple levels of the different people that are like existing and simultaneously worlds that are simultaneous worlds and um, timelines that never existed. Gotcha. Yes. And so the final bad guy in final fantasy one is actually the hero because he finally broke the time loop that was hurting everybody so much. So Groundhog Day. Yeah. 
Well, we should point out, though, this is like the Dark Tower series in that it's like the movie version of the Dark Tower, which is terrible, (laughs) and not like the book series, which is actually pretty good. Okay, the final book, well, the final book before he wrote another final book, which like is its own story, um, is, I don't know. It was a pretty disappointing ending. So <laughs> well, that's par for Stephen King. He's pretty terrible at writing endings. He cannot write an ending to mm-hmm. save his life. Yeah. And nope. you know, vast universes live inside. Maybe that's part of it. OJ. Yeah, he the may have written *Strangers of Paradise* because the ending is horrible. <laughs> but it's also still in that void of like, you know, where did it go, OJ? Where did it go? Right. But none of us will ever know if he wrote *Final Fantasy XII* because. You apparently have erased all memory. Here's what's really sad. You have erased the memory of Final Fantasy XII, which is widely considered to be a pretty good Final Fantasy game, <laughs> with Strangers of Paradise, which is universally viewed as a terrible Final Fantasy <laughs> That's game. probably what it is. I have limited resources in my head for Final <laughs> Fantasy, and this it just it's The filing cabinet right was just full. Yeah. All right, so OJ at some point may actually play Final Fantasy XII. I'm going to play it over the summer. Stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah, We'll we'll check back in with you on that. Uh, Ryan. uh, I I was going to say, please don't come to me next because I can't follow that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry, Ryan. I'm coming to you. Um, What have you been playing? Okay, well, um, I... So I'm actually kind of taking... I did play a little bit of it, but I kind of took a break from the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles this week. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm into chapter four. I I like seeing him experience more of the London setting. And it's interesting to see how he interacts with law and how it does like talk about, you know, issues of racism in London with him being Japanese and, you know, obviously there being some bigotry going on in there. Um it directed towards him. But so that's what I've played a little bit of that. Um and that's what's been neat about that. And we're going back more to the point-and-click mystery-solving stuff. Um, what I've played aside from that is, uh, first I played Oniram, which is a, an app, and it's a free app, um, and it's it's adapted from a card game, a solitaire card game, and I pr- probably would prefer this over actually playing the actual card game, because while I like board and card games, this is one where you have to shuffle a lot, and my hands are bad at shuffling. So... What it is, though, is basically you're in a dream and there's, like, a nightmare that's coming for you and you're trying to, like, get away from it. Mm-hmm. And so you are drawing different cards or, like, different parts of the dream and there's, like, four different types of color cards and there's also symbols on each card and the symbols aren't based on colors. They're Every card of every color has these symbols and there's, uh, like, sun, moon, and a key. And so you're trying to... In order to get a key to unlock a door, there's like six doors and you have um, eight doors and you have to unlock all of them in order to get out of of this bad dream. Um, You have to play a set of three three cards of the same color. That said, the symbols on them, like the sun, the moon, the key, they can't be next to the same symbol. But the color color of the cards, there needs to be a set of three of those in order to get a key. key. Um, And so you're going to constantly try to do this until you open all the doors and you're, you know, you you wake up, you're out of your bad dream. Uh, the challenge there is, is that you'll also be drawing nightmare cards every once in a while, and that'll make you, and you'll get to choose what exactly you do, but that'll make you do stuff like discard a key card if you have one of those in your hand, or discard 
um, your whole hand or discard the next five cards on the set. And if you run out of cards before you um, unlock all the doors, then the game's over and you're stuck in your nightmare. Um, oh, I, wow. I really like the way the cards look. That That's uh, something of a controversy. Some people really love... It's a series of solitaire games, and they started off as card games, and now there's an Onirim app that you can just play instead. And some people really hate the artwork. I really love it. Um, I mean, what what is it stylistically? Like, can you compare it to anything, or why are people not liking it? It's just... Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to best put it. It's just... It's not like traditionally aesthetically pleasing. It's very abstractish. Okay. Um, and like I, I, the thing I see, I can think of somebody saying is like, well, my kid could do this. Cause there is almost something childish about the way it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, it's just, it's very niche. Either you're going to like it or you're not going to. Um, I like it. I, li- I think it's very colorful and I think that's part of why I like it. Um, and I just, I like how it matches the, I feel like the kind of abstractness of it or the childishness of it kind of an, Works with the theme pretty well, um, but I've played that app a few a bunch of times, and I think I lost most of them, but I won quite a few hands too. Um, and this is called Onirum. Yes. Okay. And I think you should be able to get the app for free, or there's at least a free version of it. That's what I got. Mm-hmm. Um, the other game I played, I started playing was If Found. So If Found is a visual novel. Um, and it's probably the one that's mostly just a storytelling compared to the other visual novel novels I've played. It's, there's not much of a game going on there. There are game mechanics, though, and I'm going to talk about why I appreciate those in a second. But If Found is a very slice-of-life story. It's about uh, our main character, um, but and she's a trans woman who's uh, coming back to her village, small village in Ireland after her father's passed away. Um and it's just her dealing with like some of the bigotry in her town and from her own family and then also like finding a community of friends that she can stay with and it's just this very at times touching and beautiful but at times like very hard to get through visual novel um it so the way the mechanics of it work is it's like a lot of it looks like it's in a notebook mm-hmm. um like you're like going flipping through pages of her notebook some of it looks like that some of it's just just kind of this very slightly anime-esque, but just this very sketchy artwork that still feels reminiscent of the notebook. It just doesn't have the notebook pages. Um, but often, but what you're doing in it is, and as you go, the way you get through it is you you read what's on there. You'll sometimes erase parts that the person has scribbled out when it's a notebook, or you'll like the obscure things, like as you're erasing your way through the story. And I think that makes me think a lot about the issue of erasure going on. Um, whether you think of erasure as what it would have been to stay in the closet, because that's there's a form of erasure of not getting to be yourself. But also, like, there's the risk of erasure and the fact that coming out to your family and them not accepting you and them trying to get you to get back to who they thought you were. Um, and, you know, just the erasure and the people that you'll lose because they're transphobic. Um, and, you know, just thinking about that in relation to how her family is effectively trying to erase her after her father's passed away, um, it's, uh, it can get painful at times. I think one of the moments that kind of hurt me, like just doing it was having a very passive aggressive, yet at the same time, attempting to be loving note letter from your mom as she's trying to get you to come back to come back home. 
but also not realizing that she was the one that did wrong and trying to say is like maybe, you know, suggesting that the daughter needs to apologize to her. And then erasing her note and erasing the parts where, you know, she tries to also basically hint at that she loves you, but also she's being aggressive. It's just, that was just like a visceral way of getting across like what it feels, what it might feel like to see a mother be bigoted towards her own child in any way and what it might be to be the child experiencing that bigotry. Um, I also at the same time that's going on is every once in a while you'll jump, be jumping to a sci-fi story of a character like the main protagonist within the main narrative who is like going on a, who's going into a strange planet and there's some sort of mission they're trying to accomplish. Um, and they're accomplishing it on their own. Uh, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm new to the game, so I'm struggling to remember names of characters right now. Uh, but it's just, it's a really beautiful game, very beautiful story. Uh, and it, it, damn, it hits hard. Um, it's called If Found. If Found, and this is on mobile as well? It's on, it should be on mobile as well, yeah. I've been playing it on Switch. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that sounds really interesting. I don't know that I've heard of that, um, you know, and when you first start talking about it, kind of, it kind of made me think of well, not a visual novel, a game that came out a few years ago called Florence. Uh, but Florence is not nearly as, as heavy material as what you're talking about. It's right. much more about relationships, you know, romantic relationships It's a very good game. Uh, but you know, that, that sounds like a very heavy topic for a video game, something that we don't usually see games addressing uh, quite as head on. You know, it sounds like this one does. Yeah, I learned about it. There's a podcast I listened to called Let's Fight a Boss, um, and they were talking about that's how I learned about it, and they were talking about how, it's, you know, not necessarily this is a very new narrative to get in a video game, but also they didn't, they're from Ireland, and they don't see many video games set in Ireland, so that also struck a chord with them. Um, and it, it explores other issues, too, like, you know, religious hypocrisy and bigotry, um, classism, and how all these things, like, intersect. Mm-hmm. Um and coalesced and just becoming this nightmarish space at times. Yeah, I mean, Ireland, of course, is where, um, you know, Rockstar Games is based out of. Mm. So, um, you know, it, it sort of has a history. I mean, Rockstar, despite some of their problems, has had a history of sort of, you know, skewering popular society. Um, and, you know, so I think they're there may be something cultural there about, right. you know, kind of wanting to tackle these issues that are maybe taboo um, in a lot of other cultures to talk about. Um, that sounds interesting. If found um, available on mobile, but also switch. Right. Right. And I, it's probably available on other consoles too. I just haven't checked. I would imagine PC at least. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Um, nope. Just those three games of what I've played. All right, great. Uh, Jody. Uh, this is your first chance to share with us. What have you been playing lately? Um, well, like OJ, I've kind of been buried in projects, and um, a lot of them have been of a digital nature. Um, so I found myself on the creating side a lot more this semester um, and um, envisioning that and um, making short documentary pieces and dreams and different things like that. So a lot of my energies have been focused more on kind of the things that Ryan was talking about, um, because my background is history 
and um, that's what I'm getting my master's in. But I'm also really into video games and digital humanities and uncovering silences. And so, like, you know, when you say the title is like, if found, you know, it, it brings up all of these other things for me that are like the things that I'm imagining that I would like to create. Um, so it, it was really interesting to hear um, the, the narrative base of that and stuff like that. Um, so for me, really, um, I've been playing a lot of House Flipper. Because honestly, um, I've made a joke about it a bunch of times, but all throughout the pandemic, and usually when I'm stressed in general, and my life is chaos, and you know, of course, the coffee chaos. pots are <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I had to. The coffee pots are flying, of course. Even though I drink, don't drink co- coffee, but it's a great visual. Um, I, um, oh, I've, Jay, you have infected this podcast <laughs> <laughs> from another timeline. Yep. Anyway, um, so. Um, so I make a joke like quite often that when I'm in those chaotic times of my life, I play survival games. And so for the longest time during the pandemic, I was playing Don't Starve Together and I was playing, um, Subnautica and Stranded Deep and all these games. That's just, there's no hope. And (laughs) Green Hell was just making me so freaking angry. Um, cause you know, you're in the Amazon and you know, this was Games are the thing I do at the end of the day when they're kind of my treat. Like, my Jody, you have, you know, done your work, you've gotten ahead, you have um, read however many chapters or written something. Here's your reward. Well, I was rewarding myself at like 10 o'clock at night in the Amazon jungle, repeatedly dying, not being able to build a shelter. And, you know, I think it was starting to get to me. And then somewhere around the time that the pandemic, well, as much as we can say we're back to normal or you know it broke from this day in day out um oppression that we were living under with uh, um with everything that goes on with it um i started playing house flipper and um i'm one of those people that i want to do like habitat for humanity uh, you know like i would love to actually just you know build my own tiny house or whatever and so um it was assigned um right before we went on so, uh, spring break that um, one of my teachers said, go and play simulation games. And so it was like, I love my homework this semester. There's been a whole <laughs> lot of that. And that wasn't even Justin who's teaching me the video games course. Um, and so I downloaded a few and, you know, there, if, in case you don't know, there's like 37 farm simula- simulator games. It's kind of crazy. So mm-hmm. you start scrolling through looking for all of these. Um, and it's so hit or miss. I got a cooking one because, yes, I am in that stereotype of women that like cooking games. I don't even like to cook that much. Like at home, my husband cooks <laughs> all the freaking time. He's much more of a cook than I am. Um, but I love a good cooking simulator. And this one was just awful and i'm talking mostly like ps4 stuff here um and so um house flipper it just has all of the right mechanics you know you're painting a wall and it highlights the wall so you're not like worried about it getting somewhere else Mm -hmm. so all of the mechanics just feel like oh my god you know i don't have to worry about that i got you know this green paint on this thing that i didn't want to paint or whatever else um but the major limitations for me for that are I really like, like, there's a sledgehammer, you can knock out walls, you can do the whole deal. Um, But it doesn't really reward you in the game for doing that. There's, like, a a, a set number of buyers that once you've flipped your house, um, in case people haven't played it, um, 
that once you've flipped your house, you know, these are the attributes that they wanted. We wanted two bedrooms. We wanted this. And then they, they give you feedback and stuff like that. Um, and I am the kind of person that, you know, the, my favorite part of Sims was not the interaction of the characters and, you know, keeping your the Grim Reaper from appearing or whatever, you know, it happened to be or keeping your kids alive. It was always like, what is the house that I want to build? What, what is my dream house that I want to build in here? Um, and there isn't as much, like there's a lot of parameters where you can't just like gut the whole thing. I mean, you can, you can gut the walls inside, but you can't like knock down outside walls. So, you know, I think my next step is like, is there a good simulator that just involves like constructing things like that, that isn't, necessarily a sims or a sim city or anything like that um and so that's what i've been doing and it's nice and calming before bed it's funny you mentioned that about the sims because the sims came about because people were using um like there used to be home remodeling or home sketch up software i assume they still make it but like it used to be if you went into like office max or a place like that it would be right in the front of the software, like, hey, you know, design your dream home. Like a CAD program or something. Right, but it was like, you know, CAD super light, yeah. right? And it was yeah, meant for, it. for anyone to use. And, and that's where The Sims came from, that people found that just so entertaining. They would sit there and play it for hours, and that the creator of The Sims, like, played with some of that software, and it's like, there's a game to this. Like, this is actually fun to lay out a house and design a house like that. Oh, uh, yeah. A friend of mine, uh, like, learned and taught one of my kids to make a house that had no bottom floor. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know to this day how she did it, but I remember vividly that you can build a house without a bottom floor. <laughs> it just floats. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. Um, I, I, I really like House Flipper. House Flipper is, and I know you, I use this phrase a lot on this podcast, it is the definition of a podcast game to me. It is a game that you can kind of have on while listening to something, and you don't have to have your full attention on it, and it's very sort of relaxing just to go down the checklist, right? Like you have to paint this room, you have to put in new carpet, you have to put in a new dishwasher, and like you just do it step by step, and it's very relaxing, and at the end, you feel like you've accomplished something, even though, you know, your own house probably needs painting, and you're <laughs> exactly. not doing that. Um, but, you know, it's really, it's a fun game. It's a game I would recommend to just about anyone, um, and, you know, it's very relaxing to play while you're doing other things. And the major frustration was that um, you couldn't mow the lawn. So I actually splurged and got like garden simulator flipper or whatever it was so that I could mow the lawn because it was driving me crazy. And my, <laughs> my husband who sits there and doesn't play with me, but will look up all of the, the cheats and everything. And he'll be like, oh, you have to get the expansion pack. And I was like, <laughs> I guess that's going to have to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that seems like a good game. I mean, it's a game that they put out and it found an audience and they have done well supporting it. And, eventually and the mechanics, they're just, you know, it makes it that, that calming thing that you were talking about. You can just paint your wall and you're just happy and quiet. And Yeah, I mean, I, I think it doesn't have too um, overly bearing mechanics to it. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it easy for just about anyone to pick up and play. Um, yeah, cool. So, um, for me, uh, I played a little bit more of Tunic, which I've talked about. Uh, I'm still really, really liking Tunic quite a bit. I highly recommend Tunic. 
Um, this is the Zelda sort of style game, uh, but really heavy in secrets. And I, I feel like I can't talk about those secrets because I feel like the, the less you know of those secrets going in, the more the game rewards you. Mm. Um, you know, there are like very early on things that you find and you discover. And I would like to share those, but I feel like those are like the key moments. Find them. Keep your secrets. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like it's Elden Ring, right? Like when I talked about Elden Ring, one of the things I said was the less you go in knowing the better, the more you'll enjoy that game. Like the moments that sort of turn your brain upside down in that game where you're like, I did not know this was here. (laughs) And um, I feel like Tunic does a lot of the same things. And so those two games aren't an awful lot alike, but they kind of are in a lot of ways. Um, And so um, maybe when I'm completely done with the game, I'll be able to talk about it a little bit more without spoiling. Um, Beyond that, I started a game and I'm very, very early, so I can't talk a whole lot about it. Uh, but this feels like a Ryan game, um, and it's called Norco. And it is about Norco, Louisiana, which is a real town um, down in Louisiana. And it's set in a sort of slight future in that there are robots that inhabit the world, and it's kind of not post-apocalyptic Mad Max style, but the world has kind of hit hard times. And it is a, it's somewhere between a visual novel and an adventure game, uh, a sort of point and click adventure game. You're making choices as you go through this world and everything and um, how you talk to the different characters and everything. And occasionally there are little mini games that you have to play, um, but those are pretty simple and everything. And what has got me so far and what attracted me to the game was reading people talk about um, the storytelling within it. And it's got some really great storytelling. You're kind of coming back to this town and dealing with family issues and kind of unraveling some um, history of your family as you do it. Um, it. It's just a really kind of neat little game. Um, I think it's fairly short. I think it's the sort of game you can beat in six hours or less. Um, but I've enjoyed what I've done so far. I'll probably be able to talk more about that with the next episode. Um, and that's it really for me as far as games. Um, I will say that the newest episode of the Halo show has been better because there's actually an action scene in it, which, (laughs) again, I get back to that's what Halo is, so I don't know why... um, I don't know why they're making this a, a talky show for the most part. Like people are coming to Halo because they want to see action scenes. So it's a little bit better. You know what people really like about Halo? The conversations. <laughs> it's a soap opera. You didn't know. <laughs> it, and it's just, it's conversations about like, they're not even, it's about, yeah, I know I talked about this, but it's about, it's about Master Chief's mythology. It's not about the Halo mythology, which is what I think people are interested in. So Anyways, um, big question this week. What video game series have you never been able to get into? So this question is really, is there a franchise that's very beloved or praised that you've always wanted to get into or you've tried to get into, and for whatever reason, it does not connect with you? 
So, uh, Ryan, why don't we start with you? Is there a video game series that you've tried to get into that you just can't for some reason? Yeah, I'm going to go with Dark Souls on this. Um, I've tried to play it. I appreciate what other people love about it. Like, all that sounds awesome to me. Um, especially just, like, the stuff about how the environment tells you about the story, how the story is not, like, something directly given to you, but you get it from observing the world around you. I think that sounds awesome. I just find the gameplay drab. And I I know that would be a controversial thing to say. Like, I, I get that it's supposed to be super hard and tense and, like, you're supposed to die a lot and stuff. But I just I don't think it's exciting or fun enough to reward it. Like, I still have to be invested in it. If I'm not that into what I'm doing, um, it's hard for me to get into it. And so far, and maybe I'm just not being observant enough, but I haven't gotten that much interesting out of the background so far. And I only got, like, maybe a couple hours in or something. I'm sure somebody's like, you got to play longer, pay more attention to this or something. But it just it wasn't giving me enough for, like, how hard it was. Like, I'm mm-hmm. fine with playing a game that's hard, but I want it to feel rewarding also in some way. And it just wasn't. And I've tried playing Dark Souls. And before that, I tried playing a little bit of Bloodborne, but I was having some file-saving issues with that one. That was the thing that put me off of that. Maybe I got a, a copy that was glitching on me or something. But So I've played a, spin, a little bit of a spinoff, and I've played a little bit of the first game, and I, I just, yeah, I couldn't get into it. Yeah, I think that sounds like a, a pretty common reaction to that series. Like a lot of people bounce off it pretty hard and pretty early on. Um, you know, and I think if it doesn't sink itself into you, it it's hard to push your way through and get into that game. Um, Jody, is there a game series that you've tried to get into and just couldn't? I would say probably not really because I um, we were talked about this in the women's panel on video games a while back. Um, like a lot of us would have these big time um, periods where we didn't play and different things like that. So I find that when I do play something, I'm like super into it for a while and then it's the next thing and whatever. Um, and so there's like really big gaps in there. So like Elden Scrolls sounds like, you know, something that I would love and Final Fantasy and all of these um, other ones. I loved... Um, uh, Call of Duty um, as a first person shooter. I loved it and, you know, loved playing and, you know, blowing up zombies and all that kind of stuff all the time. Um, one that really, I just, you know, like with those other ones, I can feel like, okay, that's on my list. I definitely want to get into that world, you know, because I've heard other people describe them. It just sounds amazing. Um, and for me, the Halo world is the one that I'm just like, eh, you know, I, I, I mean, maybe if I sat down with uh, it for a little while and really got into it, I would. Um, but it, it's just really more of a, mm, you know, on the list of games that I would like to explore, it's just way down there on the list. So that's more how I would ex- describe it. All right. Uh, OJ. So I have not been able to get into the Call of Duty games. Um, I'm not a huge FPS fan uh, to begin with. And I, I don't know, it's just... Every time I've tried to play, it's just like, yeah, I'm shooting at people. And, um, yeah. and I'm it not does really, get old. Yeah, I'm not really super big on playing in, like, playing against other people, especially in first-person shooters um, and, like, the, the, the amount of, like, trash talk that people do when you're playing online and stuff. I've never really been a, a big fan of. So, um, yeah, Call of Duty is just, I, I, I probably won't even try to play them anymore. It's just like, eh, it's fine. All right. Um, I've I've mentioned this before. Pokemon is one that I've just never really gotten into. Um, and I've played a couple of the Pokemon games. They're fine, but I just don't get the, the 
fervent like fan base uh, behind it. Um, the other one, since I've talked about Pokemon before, is the Gears of War series. And, you know, I, I like Halo well enough. I think at least some of those Halo games are really good. I like Call of Duty. I think those are pretty good. So I know Gears is generally a third-person shooter, um, but, you know, I like the Uncharted games, and those are third-person shooters. Something about Gears, I, I when you talk about, you know, yeah, I'm shooting stuff. That is definitely how I feel about the Gears <laughs> games. It's like, okay, I'm going to walk into this room. I'm going to shoot some stuff. I'm going to walk into this room and shoot some stuff. And I know some of the later games get more into the big set pieces, or that's my impression. But, man, like I just bounced off those games so hard and have never really seen anything about them that brought me back in, that made me really want to play those games. Um, And I know people love them, and so I feel like I should try them and do more to get into them, but I've just never been into those Gears of War games. Um, So I know they're making a new one, and so maybe that'll be the one that finally wins me over. (laughs) I think also those games are ugly. And, I mean, (laughs) the graphics are good, but they're very dingy and dark and... Like, there's something unappealing about the look of them to me. I've never, like, been a big fan of the aesthetic of that character design, too. I think I saw those on the cover. I was like, eh. Yeah, the, like, gigantic oversized bodies and everything kind of looks a little awkward. With, like, the Smash Mouth beard goatee things. (laughs) Oh, well, now you're talking about evil OJ. (laughs) (laughs) He's played Final Fantasy XII. (laughs) Chaos. <laughs> Chaos. Remember, he has a goatee under that beard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the tagline, right? Yeah. yeah, but not the kind you find on like a Smash Mouth guy. Like he's got more sense than that. <laughs> or do I? I I mean, he is definitely recording the soundtrack to the next Shrek. So. <laughs> um all right, that does it for this week. Uh, we want to thank Jody for joining us, filling in for Alicia, who had to be out this week and everything. Um, thank you, OJ and Ryan, as well, as always, for being here. Uh, if you have questions or comments or feedback you want to send us, you can send it to justin.young at siu.edu. You can find past episodes of this at salukigames.com. Um, and, of course, on whatever podcast service that you use. Um, Thank you for tuning in and listening, and we'll be back again with a new episode.